TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am not here with the co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys, Dr. Damien Christoph, my brother from another mother, is not here because I am in the Dordogne in the southwest of France, the beautiful La Chevre de Fouy, where my wife and my beautiful children and I have been here for the last 10 days. If you've listened to 100 Not Out before, you would have heard me speak uh quite a bit about Eugene Calmont, the oldest human being ever to live. She was a French woman. She made it to 122 years, 164 days. And she did this while smoking for 95 years, drinking port wine every night and eating a kilo of chocolate each week. And as I say over and over again, that is not a valid reason to start smoking, folks, or to increase your chocolate or your alcohol consumption. But it does beg the question, why does it happen? To have a chat about food, French culture, Jean Calmont, I am joined by the wonderful Ian and Sarah Fisk, who have been our hosts here for our time. Ian and Sarah are the co-founders of La Chevre de Fouy and Cook Dordogne, where my beautiful wife Sarah and Maya uh, did a cooking class with Ian yesterday. Uh, Cook Dordogne is a cooking school dedicated to helping people understand the French way of cooking and food preparation, uh, and particularly around seasonal eating, which I absolutely love, especially here in the Perigord region. Ian and Sarah, a very warm welcome to 100 Not Out. Thank you very much, Marcus. Thank you. Now, first of all, guys, you've got a wonderful story. You came over here, well, you're born and raised um, in Britain, but you, you, you've been here for 14 years. Would, would you be happy to share, um, one, obviously the reason for the move, but two, kind of how it all happened? Yeah, no no problem. Uh, well, it was, as you said, we've been here for 14 years and uh, We'd been living overseas since 1998 in Sao Paulo in Brazil. We went back to the UK and sort of in that period of time, I've fallen out of love with the UK. And, and we both sort of sat down after seven or eight months and said, look, this isn't working. We really got to go and find somewhere that sort of uh, connects with our soul and, 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 you know, and our passion for food and all those other things. So we went to Spain initially and we drove around Spain for a couple of weeks with our son, Adam, who was three years old at the time. And as much as I love Spain, it didn't really come across as a place that we could live. So um, after about three weeks, very with a, with a very heavy heart, we went back to the UK. And I think it was actually Sarah's sister that said, you know what, Ian, you would absolutely love this the southwest of France you should go and check it out so we came here we were lucky that we sort of in between um, we were in between jobs so we were able just to sort of pack the car up chuck Adam in the back and we arrived in um, just outside Le Bouc village and um, well that was it for me I just totally fell in love with it I mean it just blew my mind how beautiful the Dordogne is the food is just exceptional I mean for for a chef it really is an amazing place because of the foie gras the you know the truffles the walnut oil the, the just that that work life balance that the French seem to have so beautifully under control you know this the French paradox which I know we've spoken about Marcus a, a few times uh, whilst you've been here is 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 sort of an interesting um uh, an interesting fact which we can t- probably talk about a bit later but it's um so that was it for me um we both agreed it was a wonderful place to live and to bring up adam and um so sarah's idea was let's buy a little house and just see if we can integrate into the culture and i said 
how much money have we got? What's the biggest place we can possibly afford? Maybe we can run a cookery school and we can do accommodation and all those things. So that's what we ended up doing. I managed to um, persuade Sarah that that was the way to go. I sulked for about two weeks and uh, and that was it. So we've now been here for, for 14 years, as you said, and, um, and just love it. Just love everything about... Uh, you know the, the 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 food side, the way of life, the freedom, the space, the fresh air—all of the things that are important for you know a long and, and healthy life. Don't get me don't get me wrong. There are challenges from living here. You know, without question, there are challenges with regards to the language. Is always going to be a bit tricky. Um, my kids, obviously, uh, I've got two children now. Alice is ten, who was born here. Both speak fabulous French and constantly sort of ribbing us about our French being of. Uh, in a um, you know of poor quality shall we <laughs> inadequate quality Adam says to me when I'm at the market usually dad your accent is terrible so um, but that's you know that's a small price to pay to be living here but yeah absolutely loving it yeah uh, and Sarah from what I understand um, as uh, as Ian just said you know you had the you know let's let's start small and expand the longer we get here but now that you've been here for 14 years and you, you see what you've created uh, I know for people listening to this uh, that that have a uh, an interest in maybe relocating. Uh, what does it mean to you to reflect on what you've done here um, from a, a life satisfaction perspective? Well, I think from my point of view is that um, we wanted somewhere safe uh, for our children and somewhere that they could roam and come back when they were hungry. And uh, they are now 11 and 17. You can see how quickly uh, they are going to move on from here. But we have given them, on reflection, the most idyllic uh, upbringing. And that's um, where we wanted to be with it. When I look at the house and the business and how far we've come and how much improvements we've made and how much people enjoy it. Um, It gives me a great sense of satisfaction. And the fact that we work uh, very hard for six months of the year, uh, every day, and then we have the winters um, renovating. It's it's hard work too, but it's a completely different uh, vibe. We're much more into our family. It's much calmer. Um, So those two aspects is 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 a great um, way of going forward um, yeah so the whole thing has been really interesting and um, we have had an amazing journey with it and it keeps our interest and that is think is the most important thing it's been a great challenge absolutely I'm, I'm interested um, you know because I, I, I feel that when uh, anyone moves I reflect on when Sarah and I moved from Melbourne to Byron Bay and I think um, I'd like to know when you guys moved um, from Brazil to, to France is um, what struck you about the culture when you first moved here that maybe you hadn't considered um, or actually been aware of until you were, you know, three or, or six months in? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I suppose the biggest, the, 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 the biggest shock was this work-life balance and I mean obviously the language is an issue and what was neither of us spoke very good French well I was mine was non-existent but it's the it was the work-life balance the different I mean it's 
you know, the shops close here at 12 o'clock and open again at 2 o'clock. You know, that's something that is just so foreign to anyone that comes here. I mean, you know, which is a lovely thing once you get it in your head around it. If you want to go and get something at, you know, from the supermarket at 12.30, it's not going to happen because it's closed. And and, and it's the, the, the work-life balance that locals have is, I, I think, is, is extraordinary. And they're, and they're hanging on to it. It's sort of it. And, and quite rightly so because I think it's so important that everybody can have Sunday afternoon off to spend you know you know eating and drinking with family and enjoying that time you know so I think that that is a a, a, a huge thing now with regards to that acceptance you know it's it takes a little bit of time I think my my children will be more accepted than we are because whilst you know we've been here for 14 years our, la- our you know our, our our language skills are are better but they're not absolutely ideal and there's always I, will you ever be accepted as a local? I don't know. I mean, we were very lucky that when we bought the house, we had a we have a neighbour who's ninety six years old, uh, Madam Innes, Alice Innes, and we actually named our daughter, who's eleven, after her, which is, which is Alice, and um, because she was so influential on uh, on a lot of things, you know, with regards to. Um, uh, you know that work-life balance. I mean, she, she's an incredible lady. She used to babysit our our eldest son Adam, and I used to go her to speak to her for for inspiration on food. And 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 she came up with some amazing things about saying that, you know, spend more time shopping and less time cooking. Because I was always over there asking about what what do you do with this and what do you do with that. And she, you know, she was a small holder. I mean, she would you know when we first got here, she showed us around her uh, small holding and a. Bar full of rabbits and and like an idiot i said to her, oh you know the lapin pour manger you know for eating and she said well well of course they're for eating why else would i have a barn full of rabbits which is absolutely tr- and now when you think about that that's pretty foreign for us when she wants a rabbit she goes into her barn and she kills a rabbit you know so there's that connection with with you know food is still at its absolute you know um at, at the root that something you know unfortunately something has to uh be dispatched before you've got a nice rabbit stew or something so that's been really interesting um so the whole you know the 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 you know there isn't a huge amount of differences i think between the french the french sort of way of life and um and the and the english culture apart from the fact that they you know the i i see in the uk a lot and i think a lot of especially the you know the states as well i would have thought that people sort of um, live to work and here we you know they they work to live and it's a very different type of um uh you know of, of area to live in but uh you know you know very good and and the simplicity of food here what is what i love is that you know nothing i came here as a chef all thinking about black truffles and how exciting this will be and you know how this would how you could put you know more black truffle on these things and 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 when I got a black truffle I spoke to Madame Innes about it and all she does with her black truffle is to put it into a, a plastic container with six eggs puts it in the fridge leaves it in there for five or six days and then that infuses into the eggs and she makes a truffle omelette and then she puts the truffle on top I mean it's the most simple thing but without question the most delicious thing i've eaten in my life sitting there with a 94 year old as she was eating a black truffle omelet um in a in a in a a peasant farmer uh uh, kitchen with wood smoke in the background it's it's heaven you know that is a beautiful beautiful memory to have and unfortunately she's recently gone into a retirement home so we don't see a lot of her but she's again you know 
we you, I know we, we talk about you know, health and food. I mean, she's eating duck fat. This is what cracks me up. She's eating duck fat every day of her life, okay? Um, and she's 96, 96 years old. You know, it's an incredible – her cholesterol numbers are great. Cause I often said to her, well, you eat a lot of duck for what your cholesterol numbers like. Oh, about two, you know. So it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, and what you were saying in your intro, you know, about uh, people eating and drinking and living, you know, and, and, and getting longevity in life. I think there's a lot more to it. I th- and, and, and stress, is, I think, I mean, she's lived a pretty stress-free life. She's never had a passport. She's never been any further than Bordeaux. Um, but she's a happy... Never been to Paris? She's never been to Paris in her life. Wow. It's a mind-blowing, isn't it? But sort of that's the furthest she's ever been. And, and she, you know, she lives a simple life, grows her own food um, and continues to thrive on it. So, yeah. An interesting fact. I know a lot of it has to probably to do with genetics and stuff like that, but you know, I think that's the thing. Yeah, you know. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, so I'm interested in this then, Sarah, like because I was going to ask about Madame Innocent. I'm glad you brought her up. Um, and you just we talk about, well, I kind of have a view, there's no science behind it, but loving where you live is, is possibly the number one nutrient to living a, a great long life. But the role of neighbors as well is something which is a foreign concept for a lot of people. When you moved over here, to have a neighbor that was caring and, and cared for you and you got on well and you were appreciative and you had children that you were raising and the rest like what did it mean when you were moving over to have someone uh, you know essentially next door that was there to look out for you as well well um i i think obviously that wasn't um we weren't aware of that when we moved over we were just very lucky um but the 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 fact is if you move into a small hamlet in france you will get lucky because community living is important to this to this um country it's about collectiveness it's about uh being a collective it's a completely different um, attitude regarding the country, the, looking after the the hamlets, making sure everything is tidy and picked up and hedgerows cut and communities are cared for. It, and that leads you to appreciate where you live. It, it's a completely different attitude here to, because they're ruled by small communes with Marie's in small towns that look after small areas but make sure everything Everything is as good as it can be from rubbish collection to making things easier for for older um, their older folk makes it a place where you feel um, proud of and here for example my children are the only children at this time in the hamlet they wander off or Adam used to wander off and if his behaviour was anything but exemplary I would hear about it I would hear about it from my neighbours they knew who he was they knew where he was and that is is community caring and community bringing up your children in a community is what it's about mm. and I think that's what France gets fundamentally brilliantly well it's about getting every child to their best ability to tax paying contribution that is the number one thing they take every child they look at their abilities they support them throughout schooling or apprenticeships or whatever their strengths are to get them to contribute to the collective at the end that's from the most um 
pe- the, the children they need the most help from from um, not being able to learn in the normal way or were disabled or through to the most gifted where they challenge them to the highest level and I think that is admirable mm-hmm. um, education is f- more or less free meals at school are more or less free childcare is more or less free and they go from to school for, for for next to nothing from three years old all of these all these things are provided through high taxation mm-hmm. but is established so you feel fully supported and cared for it's a completely different culture from that point of view yeah, it's interesting the cultures that seem to do it well um i've just been in i think i was telling you guys i've just been in greece in a, a small island called ikaria very well known for its uh, longevity and quality of life and it's very simple peasant farming you would say is kind of how people have grown up um just your, your madam in a story with the rabbits exactly the same but in ikaria it's with goats um uh, but it's exactly the same um but as you were telling me the story about the hamlets here, it just reminded me that in Ikaria, they've got um, it is seven and a half thousand people on the island. It's about one hundred and twenty little villages that all are self. Um, they all look after they all look after themselves. Um, there's only two police stations on the island. One has seven. One has one. And half of the island, there's no police. The villages just. They would, like you said about the children, if anything ever happened, you would find out about it. Um, so there's essentially no crime uh, because everyone is, is looking out for everyone else. It, it, they just manage themselves. Um, and as an Australian, I think it's incredible because I feel like our little country with our young culture, we're still learning almost like how to live. Um, and I do have a great affinity with Europe as a way to teach how to live. And, you know, some countries do it better than others. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I just think it's it's wonderful to hear other people that have got had similar experiences because I know people that are looking at, you know, okay, how do I want to live and where do I want to live? I think living in a community that cares about their neighbours is probably one of the most important factors in living a life that you actually feel really happy in because if uh, you don't love where you live, even if you love your work and you, you keep healthy and well but you don't love where you live it's a big it's a big drain it's a massive drain um let's turn our attention to some of the questions people have about the french and that is the french paradox that you mentioned earlier but also what you were telling me the other night Ian, about portion size i think from the uh, the outside we think the french are i think we misunderstand the french paradox i think from an external perspective we think the french overindulge in everything and they get away with it but from what I've been learning from you, it doesn't actually happen that way. No, I think that, I mean, it's a myth. The French power, it has to be a myth, doesn't it, when you think about it. I mean, it's, uh, there's no, I, I, there is no such thing as the French paradox. It is, it, we, we, had a, we had a restaurant here. So we were able to see exactly how French families eat as opposed to how, for instance, English, some English families would eat. And, and, and I think a, a prime example is this, that if you put a cheese plate in front of a English family, um, the, or the majority of English families, they will clear that plate of cheese, okay, with probably several more glasses of wine with it. If you put that same plate of cheese in front of a French family, nine times out of ten, they will take a small piece of cheese, uh, you know, just a a small piece of each cheese with a small glass of wine, and then the rest of the cheese will go back. Because... And, and that's just one one example. I mean, um, so they are are eating and... um, uh, They are 
eating a lot of uh, you know some cheese but it's not the quantity that that i think we eat in the western world and that may be down to the fact that we are as kids we we, we sort of grow up don't we saying you've got to make sure that you clear your plate and you've got to make sure that you don't leave anything french don't sort of have that they just eat in smaller quantities and they just, and they drink in smaller quantities yeah, without question it's quite um polite to um to not clear the plate of cheese it's about tasting and enjoying but not gorging yeah. and that's that's mm. a different and I really do think that this, you know, like I said, there's a lot of play on the French paradox as well. And the funny thing is, I mean, <laughs> as you said about smoking, I mean, they're all a lot of people still smoke cigarettes here, and you know, that's probably not a, a great a, a great thing to be doing. And I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they they get away with with it. I think there's just that they they seem happier, <laughs> you know, they just seem sort of. They have this sort of attitude that it's that it's all part of life, and it's they they have a bit more balance with it. Um, I think they probably smoke a bit less, and they probably drink a bit less, and eat a bit less. But unfortunately, you know, this is one of my great um, passions about being here is to is to continue, you know, to continue to bang the drum for um for good food because unfortunately france is going through the same uh, revolution as the rest of the world for example as you as you know marcus this is mcdonald's second largest market in in the world is france which is sort of frightening really when you think about it you know he's got america first and then france and and, and we've got to make sure that the young people here continue to support the markets continue to buy fresh vegetables and continue to learn how to cook um, I speak to I speak to Adam, who's seventeen now. When he's been to some friend's house for dinner or something, I say, "Oh, what did you have?" Because I'm interested, you know, expecting them all to be sitting there with beautiful, you know, um, fresh vegetables and stuff. And he comes back and he said, "You know what, Dad? It's pretty sad. It's meat and pasta." And you sort of think, "Well, hang on a minute. Something's changing here, and we've got to try and get it back on track." And I and, and and it is. It's almost like it's 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 almost like the UK was in the seventies, you know, and 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 that's something lovely but we don't want to lose that the, and it, it is brilliant for, for for the kids at school because they get a menu okay and Alice comes back at the start of every month with a menu of what she's going to be eating for that um, for that month and it's brilliant because it's it's it, there's no choice and it's great food there's a little cheese plate three course meal and and it's and it's how it should be where where it sort of goes a little bit wrong is when they start going to college and then there's choice and then you've got this you've got this amazing salad bar with all the fresh veg but next to that there's the pizza and the burger and the chips and the you know and there you go and it's and it starts to be a bit of an issue then that they well of course we'd all listen if we could all sit around eating burgers and chips and fondant of chocolate all day and drinking liters and liters of wine we'd all be doing it but a lot of us want to live sort of to live to enjoy our our, our older age so you know you can't do it so uh, <clears throat> it is a choice as i just you were saying sarah when people and when the kids leave home i think there's always a there's a learning that goes on isn't there there where they they're raised in a certain environment where i believe that you know don't give them a choice because kids aren't that well equipped to deal with choice as well it's a it's a whole different thing but when they leave home they do have that choice my hope is that whether it's three months or three years or however long it takes that they eventually come back to the place where they go what we had at home is how we want to live our life. I can remember my parents always, uh, my mum always cooked for us. She always um, had a balanced 
plate of food. And as a result, when I went through uh, leaving home um, in my early 20s, I missed vegetables. If I was eating badly, I would feel it. And I think that that is the key, is that if if you bring your children up to eat a balanced diet, they register that as early 20s. They go back to eating well very quickly. Um, So you are... um, setting getting them on the way to uh to a long life as long as you that first period of time you make sure that they have no choice and they eat what you eat just like our parents there was no there was no different menu when we were children they weren't uh my mum didn't say to me well okay darling what would you like to eat today and and it's amazing it's something that we see we do see this a lot that that sort of the that children sort of dictate what they eat and it's sort of like you know I, as sarah said if i had said to my mum so i don't really want what you and dad are having can you knock me up a sort of um you know a lasagna i would have got a clip around the ear and it's like you, you know if you don't want what you, what we're having then you're going to go hungry so make your mind up and that's how it is and it's not something that as parents we need to get angry about i know so many times the kids go i'm not hungry or i don't want that i'm like that's okay but i'm not cooking a third meal i got this thing about yeah, you know sure poor you know, no i'm not parents cooking two three four meals i don't eat meat i don't eat this i don't eat gluten i don't eat, i don't eat dairy it's like oh anyway um no i totally totally agree with you 100 percent um this has been fascinating guys can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom now for the listeners particularly when you're coming over here uh i highly recommend do the cooking class um with ian mayer and sarah did it yesterday to find out more it's cookerycoursedordonia.com uh, or just google cooked ordonia um and stay where we've been staying particularly if you've got children but even if you're here for a romantic getaway um come to le chevre de fouille is that the best way to pronounce it le chevre de Foy. Yeah, and then Adam's probably going on oh, my parents have stuffed it up again um, I'm not going to spell it I'm just going to say look in the show notes click on the link in the show notes to find out more about where we've been staying Sarah and Ian Fisk um, absolute uh, pleasure to be here and thanks so much for joining us on 100 Not Out thanks, thanks Marcus alright folks to find out more about this podcast we'd love your feedback you can go on over to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out you can also check out the entire range of podcasts available here at the wellness couch just go to thewellnesscouch.com you'll find over 2,000 podcasts available if you're loving this conversation about longevity then make sure you check out the 2019 100 not out longevity experience in Ikaria in September of 2019 all the details over at 100notout.com hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast and until next week as always continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.